Praise God. Amen. I'd like to start in the book of Exodus, chapter 26, if I can. Exodus, chapter 26, verse 33, if you'll turn there. Amen. Exodus 26, 33. We're going to have a race. This, they used to do sword drills back in the day. If you ever did a sword drill, say amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. Exodus chapter 26, verse 33, it says, this is the Lord giving some instruction to Moses. He says, and thou shalt hang up the veil under the tatches that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil of the ark of the testimony and the veil everybody say the veil the veil shall divide everybody say divide shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy place now if we jump over to exodus 28 verse 29 these are a couple of, of uh Scriptures that kind of give us our first understanding of the of the holy place and the tabernacle, as it were, that the Lord was having Jesus, uh, having Moses set up as once they came out of Egypt. He says here, and Aaron, this is further instruction for that tabernacle and especially that holy place. And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart. So the Lord's given further instruction and he wants Aaron to wear this uh, certain dress, headdress and, and, and robe and garment and everything. And he says a part of that robe is going to be plates that have the names of the children of Israel. When he goes in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually that was as close as all the other children of Israel could get to the presence of the Lord other than Aaron so he put their names on it all 12 tribes and then he goes in to the tabernacle the Lord's given this instruction he says I want this done this way for a reason and, and that was as close. It says that that curtain would divide the holy place from the most holy place. And Aaron represented the priest or the priesthood of the people. And what the, what the priest would do is take the things of the people, whether it's supplications or whether maybe it's sins that need to be covered or, or whether it's praise offerings whatever it is he would take it for the people into the presence of God in the most holy place and I don't know about you but if it was me I'd be thinking alright uh, I guess my stuff got where it needed to go I can't really see it myself but I'm going to trust that the way that the Lord has all this set up that my need 
or my sin or my praise, my offering, my sacrifice, got all the way to the Lord. Now, thank the Lord we don't have to wonder like that anymore or just hope. If you know this, when Jesus died on the cross, this veil that was in the temple, it says it was rent in twain. It was split. What's the significance of that? There was no more division between everybody else and the place where the Spirit of God rested and dwelled. Now, you really want to mess up some theology, just think about this for a minute. That means up until Jesus died on the cross, the temple was still the temple, yeah. right? The curtain was still the curtain. The Spirit of God in the holy place was still the Spirit of God in the holy place. And Jesus is just walking wherever he goes in whatever city and whatever town he is, right? Uh, here I thought we were going to have so much fun today. <laughs> no, but when he died on the cross, that spirit, that presence of God that was confined to the holy place rushed forth from out of the holy place. Split, divided that curtain. It was ripped. And the presence of God is now not confined to just this room. If you'll jump with me to Hebrews chapter 6. I want to just do a little bit uh, of reading here. I don't intend to take very long today. But there's a few passages here in Hebrews that go along with this. I want to remind you while you're turning there. <clears throat> in, in, back in the days that we were just reading about with Moses and with Aaron and, and so forth. The Lord had given these instructions and he said, well, only the priest can go. Only the high priest can go from this place to this place. But he, he also established a priesthood. Out of all of the descendants, the tribe, does anybody remember which tribe that was? The tribe of Levi. And Aaron was a Levite. The Lord took me here in this scripture. I won't read it today, but just to remind you, when Moses is standing in front of the burning bush out in the wilderness and he gets instruction from the Lord, go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go, Moses basically says, I don't want to. He didn't say no, but he was honest enough with the Lord to say, I would rather not. I don't like to speak. I don't like to talk. You know me and my speech pattern. You're the one that made me this way and how I talk. And I'd really rather not have to go before pretty much the most famous person on earth into his palace and his courts and talk. So the Lord says, okay. He says, is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? Now, parse that. Aaron the Levite. So he's a son. He's a descendant of Levi. He says, okay, Moses, if you will not go and do and say the things I want, take Aaron, your brother, the Levite, with you. 
and let him speak, but he's only going to speak what you tell him to say, because I'm going to tell you what to say. If you really wanted a crash course in ministry, that is it. The Lord is holding you accountable for the words he tells you to say. Not, well, I'm passing the buck off to Aaron because I think he got a few of those words wrong. Nope. The Lord, every time, and doesn't say the Lord spoke to Aaron and said, go tell Pharaoh this. He says he spoke to Moses and said, go tell Pharaoh this. And then if Moses has to make sure the words get spoken and he doesn't want to speak them, well, okay, he's going to do it with Aaron as a, a proxy or a mouthpiece to speak the words. But Moses is the one that is in the authority and in that place of speaking the word of God. If you got that, say amen. amen. So Aaron the Levite, he was first chosen because of his ability to speak on Moses' behalf, but this was not the first choice of God. This was at the request of Moses. I, even in just that little bit, I see the fact that the Lord did not intend to set up a priesthood forever to do the priestly work on behalf of the rest of his people. If he wanted it that way, he would have just told Moses, go get Aaron. You need a priest to do the things you're going to do. No. The Lord intends to work and talk and interact individually with each one of us. Do you understand? I do not. My relationship with the Lord is not this. Go, to, go somewhere on a Sunday, sit in a pew... Watch that guy do his thing. Are you following me? Oh, I think he's saying all the right things. Oh, wait, this is my speaking part. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now let him do the rest of his. And we say amen, and I get up and I go. And I say, okay, that was awesome. What a great church service we had. Because the Lord was doing his thing through his chosen vessel. That is not the way God has ever intended it to be. Not even with Moses and Aaron. But Moses, because of his own insecurities, decided, I would rather have a go-between. The Lord, in his graciousness, allowed him to have that for that season. But if you, want, if you really want to know whether that was God's will and God's plan or not, just look at how, how, how quickly things deviated when Moses and Aaron were separated in front of the people. Moses goes up on the mountain to be with the Lord. Aaron stays down with the people. Moses spends his time with God, comes back down to the people, and he says, what in the world is, what have you done, Aaron? You're, you're trying to act like a priest? Is this what a priest does for these people? Uh-uh. No, we got, it, it, that is the critical nature of authority right there. And how quickly things can go wrong when authority is not in place and acted on appropriately. Because the people, the rest of the people, 
They just see Aaron and Moses. They see them linked together. And anytime something big has to be said, it's Aaron that says it. So they go to Aaron and, well, he's not coming back anytime soon. But you're a great speaker. So why don't you just speak to us for a little bit? Why don't we just establish our own thing here, our own mechanism of worship, and we'll call this worship. I just, I'm trying to go quickly, but I, I, I need to make a few points here. A sinful person will be glad to put as many barriers between them and the Lord as possible and then call that their religion and their, that their relationship with God. I use the word barriers, but really the way it plays out now is pastor, worship pastor, snack pastor, coffee pastor, all, all of these things, and then I'm just right here. I've got my barriers. And my roll down here at the bottom so I can go find the cushy seat that I want to sit that's got a nice view and good, good acoustics. And this is my relationship with the Lord right here. And as long as the pastor and the snack pastor and the coffee pastor do all their thing and the service goes well, I get up and say, thank you, Jesus, that was good. And I go back to my ways. And a sinful person will be glad to allow that to block anything that the Lord would do to get directly into their life. And I'm not trying to pick on people. I'm just saying, if I want to hear from God, I know where to go to hear from God. If I really want God to speak to me, there's not a barrier that He's put up that's going to block Him from speaking to me. So if there are barriers, how did they get there? And why am I okay with allowing those? I went, we were in, in a different state where we lived for a while. We had a, a youth service, and at the end of that youth service, there were young people praying all over the place, and the Lord got my attention. He said, this one girl right here, I want you to go pray for her. I thought, okay. Uh, I know her a little bit. You know, we go to the same church, but I don't really know any of the details of her life or anything like that, I'll just go and I'll pray for her. And he says, no, that's okay. You don't worry about it. You just go pray for her. And I go and I, I, I start to pray for her. And immediately the Lord tells me, this young lady has put up walls in her life between she and I. And I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do with that? I don't get to be like, watch kick down the walls while I'm praying, you know, and no, they're not my walls. I didn't put them up there to begin with, but the Lord's given me this information and then, and he's just showing, and this was a good young lady. I mean, she was, she was faithful. She was holy. She was a part of all that. She was trying to do all the right things in the, in the right, um, areas uh, you know, she was, she was doing all the correct things that you would want a young person to do in church. But the Lord said, it's the wall between me and her that's preventing the relationship that I want with her. 
And I, you know, if I think about it now, Lord, if that's any individual, how long could they go? Keep going to church. Keep going to the altar to pray. Keep raising your hands in worship and singing and doing all the things that we think we're supposed to do. And nobody even have a clue. There's walls between the Lord and I, and he's not getting through to me the way that he really would desire to. So I just, you know, had a quick conversation with her afterwards. I said, here's what the Lord told me. This is now between you and him. I believe that she's gotten that taken care of, and the Lord is working with her like he would with all of us. But it's not the Lord's design to put stages and barriers and confines between him and me or between him and you. He wants to be right by your side. He wants to be right in front of you, behind you, and beside you, and all around you, and within you. That would be his desire. Hebrews 6, 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Let me read you that in this other translation really quick. He's talking about Jesus. We have this hope as an anchor for our lives. It is safe and sure and goes through the curtain of the heavenly temple into the inner sanctuary. This is Jesus. This is what he can do. On our behalf, verse 20, Jesus has gone in there before us. I mean, think about that. On our behalf, Jesus has gone in there before us and has become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let me just talk to you about really quickly about this guy. His name's only in the Bible a few times. It calls him a king, but it also says that he, he was... He performed some priestly duties on behalf of Abraham. Now, put, a, put this in your timeline and think, Abraham, how far back was he? Before Moses, right? Before the temple, before the tabernacle, before the Ark of the Covenant, before altars of sacrifice and all. This is way back. But a high priest came into Abraham's life and started to speak blessing to Abraham, the Lord has this for you. The Lord's going to do this for you, Abraham. And the only real things that we get to see, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but I encourage you, spend some time in Hebrews 7 and 8, and you'll learn a little bit more about this, especially about this guy Melchizedek. So it says he didn't, there's no record of his father or his mother. There's no record of his birth. Or of his death. But instead, he's just the high priest. Psalms says this, and then it's again here in Hebrews. Jesus is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Think about that for just a second. Jesus the man born of Mary and Joseph. Which tribe was Joseph out of? Judah, right? The offspring 
We call, sometimes it calls him the son of David. David was not a Levite. Judah was Levi's brother. This is why the Lord Jesus Christ cannot be after the order of the Levites. It, what sense would it make? Because Levites just offered sacrifices for themselves and then for other people. I'm butchering this, and I'm hoping you spend time in this scripture today. Later, maybe this week, read Hebrews 7, if nothing else. But you'll see what I'm saying here. It says that a, a priest, a, a high priest, first had to go and offer sacrifices for himself. To get right, so he could go into the holy place and minister on behalf of others. If Jesus had just been a descendant of the Levites, he would have had to follow the Levitical order. He would have dressed differently. He would have talked differently. He would have participated in the temple differently. But because he was of the tribe of Judah and he is of the throne of David... What we see here, we get a glimpse, and Hebrews even calls it a new law. There's a new law set up since he's not a Levite, but he is a priest. And this law says he can sacrifice however he wants. You know why? Because he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. A guy that has no record of father or mother, a guy that has no record of birth or death. That's the order, the priestly order that Jesus comes from. If you got that, say amen. amen. Hebrews 7, 16, if you'll turn there. Talking about Jesus, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Verse 17. For this, the scripture says, he testifieth, the scripture, thou art a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jump down to verse 26 here in, in Hebrews 7. For such an high priest became us, who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Jesus is the high priest that meets our needs. He is holy. He has no fault or sin in him. Just think about it this way. Furthermore, if Jesus had been of the tribe of Levi and done all the things that he did for Israel, his sacrifice, his life, his death would have only been for 
Israel. I don't know that we have any of Jewish descent here. So I think we should all say, Amen, thank the Lord. That he became a high priest, not after Levi, but Melchizedek. Further, he is a spotless lamb. I, I really just want to talk to you about Jesus today, honestly. That's all I'm trying to do. He's the spotless lamb. But the Lord knows so... God is a, is a God of principle, pattern, line upon line, and he knows everything. And he knows I even have to raise up of the throne of David a king that will rule over my people forever. I have to raise up a high priest, not after Levi, that will serve as the priest for my people forever. Verse 27. He is not like other priests. He does not need to offer sacrifices every day for his own sins first and then for the sins of the people. Let me, let me read you this in King James in case you don't believe that what I'm saying is in the Bible. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. In verse 25, if you'll go back and read that one. And so he is able now and always to save those who come to God through him because he lives forever to plead with God for them. If you were here yesterday morning for prayer, some of this is going to start to sound... Uh, familiar. We talked a, a little bit. I just read those two scriptures, Romans 8, 26 and 27, about intercession, right? And the difference in intercession and intervention. I, I, I don't have time today to tell you more embarrassing stories about how we learn these things. And by we, I mean me. But when you try to intervene into a situation of your own accord and not through God's way, it's not going to go well. I, I have to make this, this quick distinction, though, because the Scripture does say that we get to bring our supplications to Him. We get to bring our needs to Him. We get to bring anything we want to the Lord in prayer, including praying for other people. Now, my, my children are not quite to the, this dating and marrying phase yet, but it's, it's rapidly approaching. If the Lord doesn't come back soon, something's going to have to happen. But I can just imagine, those of you, especially parents maybe with, with older 
kids, teenagers, young adults, maybe even some that are now married or have their own families. This is just a little example. I can go before the Lord and say, Lord, you know this situation better than I do. But here's what I would really love to happen. I, 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 he's had so many girlfriends. And that, I, you know, I wanted number three. And for whatever reason, that one didn't work out. And now he's on about number 11. And Lord, you know this better than I do. But here I am bringing my supplication to you. Don't let it be number 11, please. That's my supplication before the Lord. And if the Lord doesn't want it to be number 11 either, then he and I just met and my supplication turns to intercession. But if he wants it to be number 11... Or I guess I would dare say if he's going to allow it to be number 11. And I still don't want it to be. He and I have not met. And my prayers don't become intercession. But they become intervention. And even my actions, if any should follow, become intervention. And not from a place of intercession. See, I, the... This, this idea of intersection, or intercession, I used it yesterday, is an intersection. My way and God's way. When they meet, that's what it really means to make intercession. It means to meet. You show up at a place and you meet for the, for the sake of communicating. When I meet with the Lord at a place of intersection and now we can intercede together then intercession is going to happen. He will make that happen. But when I just am so stubborn in my spirit or my attitude or whatever else is per the source of that stubbornness, and I say, no, this is not going to be allowed to happen. I am not interceding in that moment. I'm actually not even supplicating, if that's the word. Making my petition known to the Lord. This is, this is why I said it the way that I said it with Moses and with Aaron. When the Lord told Moses, you go before Pharaoh and speak. Moses did not go, no, I'm not going to do it because I don't like the way I talk. He said, Lord, you know me. You know my speech. And therefore, you know how uncomfortable I'm going to be if I have to go and speak that way. That is making a petition known. That is letting a supplication be made known before the Lord, which is what the scripture says. The beautiful thing about this, and we... Well, I'll end here. Brother Timothy, why don't you just go real quick back to Romans 8, verse 26, if you will here. I'm going to end here, I promise. The beautiful thing about this is I don't have to know the Lord's plan 
in order to participate with his plan. In fact, usually I don't know his plan. I might get some ideas. I might get some uh, inspiration. I might get some revelation, a little bit of it. But I still am not going to know all of it, usually. So that's why the scripture says the word infirmity. Likewise, the spirit also helps our infirmities. Because I don't know the way I'm supposed to pray. I don't know the plan of God. The Lord might be choosing to save girlfriend number 11 and use her and reach her whole family. I don't know. I don't know. So I go before him and I say, I don't know. But thou knowest. You know. Here is my prayer. Thy will be done. The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. That's the exact same word as the priest going before the Lord, going before the presence of God and making intercession. Or as that other translation said, pleading for, pleading on behalf of. Now, thank the Lord Jesus is my high priest, and he's doing this for me continually, all day, every day. I wonder how many times he's bringing the sacrifice before the, the, the holy place, and he's saying, this one's for Caleb again. This is his. He's doing that for me. He's pleading before the Lord. That's making intercession. Now that's the same thing that it says the Spirit wants to do through you and I. The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Next verse. And he, that's God, he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. This is the way I imagine it. We'll use Brother Hart as an example. He's going before the Lord in prayer with all his list of, I want to see this and I'd love to see that. And I, we're not talking about girlfriend number 11 in this one, okay? That's a different story. No, he, he, he's got a desire to see the things of God done. I want this to happen. I want that to happen. I want to go this way and that way. And, I want, and the Lord's saying, I know. I know the heart. I know the, I know the heart because he maketh intercession. It says, he that searcheth the heart. It's in there somewhere. I know you want my will to be. That's it. I'm searching the heart because I know the mind of the spirit. And now you and me, our wills just intersected. And now, here's what's going to happen. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's what I want to happen. That is how intercession gets made through you and me. I promise you, if you're not approaching the Lord in prayer... It's not going to happen. 
I can be wrong 99 times out of 100 in my approach to the Lord in prayer. But when he finds the one that lines up with his will and says, that's my will, I know it, we're going to pray it now according to my will. Then intercession is made. The beautiful thing again is, now that I know that and I've experienced it, I don't have to spend a whole lot of time on the, on the wrong. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's this. I know right away, no, I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling that. I, that I'm, I'm praying this way, but the Lord's not meeting me here. He's out there somewhere. I'm going to keep praying. I'm praying this way. He's not meeting me there. I'm praying this way. He's not meeting me there. He's out there somewhere. I'm going to keep praying. And then you intersect again with him, and now intercession is made again. Why don't you stand with me? There's all kinds of praying. I said this yesterday. It's good to pray. And I said, it's better to pray in the will of God. And I do mean, I mean better in the sense that it will accomplish what God wants to accomplish. Interceding according to the will of God. If you know, hear me please, if you know that he wants to save someone, then he'll meet you there at that place of prayer. And you will intercede for that someone that you know he wants to save. If you know that he wants to deliver someone, and you go to that place of prayer, he will meet you there because you know it's the will of God. Oh, here's the fun one. I've been a Pentecostal long enough to know this is the fun one. If you know he wants to heal somebody and you pray and you're interceding, he will meet you there. It's the same principle. It's just this idea of these some things I know, these some things I don't know. So what, am I just not going to pray for him in case I get it wrong? No. I'm going to pray with my supplication and see where the Lord meets me. He meets me every time I pray, thy will be done. He does not meet me every time I say, put magic gas in my gas tank. Raise that needle. No. He, no. He knows. So I, this is, and it's the same, this scripture, this principle is all throughout scripture, honestly. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Why? Because you know you're praying according to my will. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? The things I'm praying for according to the will of God. I'm going to open this altar. I'm asking everybody if we would just find a place to pray. Come on, I believe the Lord will, would birth some things in you and your spirit today with the things that he showed us and that he's teaching us about right now. He wants to take us to a place of intercession where it's made on behalf of the Spirit of God, according to the will of God. He knows it all. Come on, church. He knows it all. It's up to me to decide, am I going to meet him in that place of intercession? Am I going to meet him in that place of prayer? And no, this is the will of God. I'm praying according to the will of God. I'm praying according to his will. Father, not mine, but thine be done. In the name of Jesus, God, I know it's your will to heal the hurting, the brokenhearted. I know it's your will to save the lost, God. I know it's your will, oh God, to deliver those that are captive and bound. In the name of Jesus, come on, come on. I feel the Lord. He's taking you to a place of intercession right now. If you know it's his will, then pray it. If you know it's his will, speak it in the name of Jesus. I declare freedom in the name of Jesus. I declare healing in the name of Jesus. Oh, I declare salvation in the name of Jesus. Come on, speak it out to the Lord. Let him meet you in that place. Let him meet you in that place. Come on, get your spirit aligned with him. Get your words and your prayer aligned with him.
More than. 